0: Now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, hop-along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, yearn to wade in a high Sierra or Alaska stream, or just look forward to taking the kids out to one of our local lakes to chase trout, crappie, or bass, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special. special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway in Maine or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck, or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand-name tires and competitive prices, remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours of radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your Radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now,
1: here's your host, Hop Along John Cassidy. And thank you, Mark Larson and Southern California. Welcome to Rod Real Radio. I hope you're having a great fishing weekend this weekend. Hey, we have a fantastic show lined up for you tonight. Right off the bat, we're going to have Ethan Mays with us. And Ethan Mays is the overall winner of the 2015 Anglers Tournament that was on San Diego Bay last week. Ethan is 10 years old, but I've got to tell you, he is a dynamic young man. We're going to want to hear how he won his tournament and uh, some of his likes when it comes to the fishing community. And then at 6 o'clock, we're going to have live with us. Hopefully, we're going to be able to catch up with him. Mart himself, Aaron Martins, is going to be with us. Uh, Aaron Martins is up, is uh, on his way to uh, St. Clair, Michigan to compete in the last elite event there. Right now, he is number one in the Angler of the Year's points. So we're going to catch up with Aaron, find out how he's been fishing, what he thinks is going to be happening at this next event. So you want to stay tuned. That's going to be at 6 o'clock. So before we get on with Ethan, though, let me introduce you all to my co-host, he is a voice of one 800 bass boat and a pretty darn good fisherman in his own right. Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, how are you doing tonight?
2: Well, So far, so good. I had a tournament that uh, fished today, and I'm home and
1: do this. <laughs> well, you know, if, if we can get word around uh, with there and everything like that, I want to find out how you did, because I hope you had a successful event.
2: I, I caught the ever loving daylights out of those fish <laughs> yeah. right. Actually, there was a two day tournament, a tournament of champions for ABA, and uh, they we fished the six hours yesterday from noon to six, and today we fished from six to noon. So. All right. Pretty interesting tournament.
1: Hey, let's uh, introduce our listening audience to the other co host of Rod and Real Radio. She is a national sales manager for Iserline, and she is an outdoor enthusiast in her own right, both hunting and fishing, Miss Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, how are you doing tonight, ma'am?
3: I'm doing great. I was able to get out on the Ocean Side 95 on Friday and uh, cut some tuna and made some new friends and had a blast.
1: Wow. Well, you know, just...
2: you just never stop, girl. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: why don't it. you give us a hint, Wendy? Are the tuna still out there?
3: The tuna are still out there. Lots of Dorado, too.
1: Wow, gosh. Ah. Hey, guys, let's get on with our first guest because I have him live here in the palatial Angler's Arsenal Studios in La Mesa. He is a really good angler in his own right. He is the overall winner of the 2015 Angler's Youth Tournament that was just conducted on San Diego Bay last week, Mr. Ethan Mays. Ethan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, I tell you, Ethan... How did you develop this interest in fishing that you have? Because just talking to you before the show, man, it is fishing, fishing, fishing in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, a,
4: a good friend of my dad's gave me a fishing pole for Christmas uh, a year and a half ago for Christmas. And uh, I went I went the next day, and I, I, I didn't even get a bite. And so I was eager to get a fish. So... It, and then I, about 10 times later, I, I, I went out with my uncle, and I got up my first fish, which was a, about a 10-inch spotted bay bass, and I've never stopped since.
1: <laughs> we have Ethan's dad here, Charles. And, and uh, Charles Mays, uh, um, do you have a lot of fishing in your background, or is this something that Ethan is developing kind of on his own?
4: Actually, I don't have a lot of fishing in my background. As a, as a young child in San Diego, I did fish a little bit, but not, nothing uh, like we fish now with Ethan. He just He's in it, and we just fish with him all the time.
1: Well, tell us about how you came about entering the youth tournament on Shelter Island this uh, uh, past month.
4: Um, I did it the year before, and I didn't even win for my age category. Okay. So um, I, I came back this year. Just hoping to hoping to get my age category, and I won the entire thing.
1: Now, just to lay the background, uh, at this event, there are certain age categories that uh, the participants are fishing in. I think it starts at 6 years old and goes up to 15 years old. And the category that you fished in this year was what? Most fish. Well, no, but what age category were you in?
4: I'm, I was in 10.
1: You were in the 10-year-old bracket. okay? Yes. And tell us how your day went.
4: I started off using ghost shrimp and that under the pier with a small little hook and it started it just started slaying away at those what at, the, at the calico bass the little sand bass and sculpin which which was all I needed to win
1: okay so you were using ghost shrimp
4: ghost shrimp yes yeah and,
1: and where'd you get your ghost shrimp from
4: I go behind Rob Field and I just
1: go out and pump the shrimp myself. So you actually went out and got your own bait and brought it to the tournament which was legal and and fished them, huh? Oh
2: yeah. Wow. How many ghost shrimp did you did you pick up?
1: We picked up
4: 94.
1: <laughs> wow. Good enough. <laughs> and and tell me, how do you how do you put a ghost shrimp besides very carefully on your hook? How do you hook up a ghost shrimp?
4: Um, start off right, right in the tail and come right out the head, and, and then uh, just send it on down to the bottom and wait for a bite.
1: All right. Well, that, Stan, that's about the way to do it, isn't it?
2: That sounds good to me. <laughs> I always like doing
1: that. <laughs> now, Wendy, uh, you were there at the event. Uh, approximately uh, how many participants would you estimate that Ethan was fishing against?
3: Oh, you know what, John? I did not make it to that event
1: Oh, this I'm year. sorry about that. I thought you were there. Okay. Ethan, how many participants were you fishing against at that, I think that it, event? I
4: think it was like 150-some-odd anglers.
1: So, and you were fishing against uh, uh, boys and girls that were younger than you, and a lot of them were older than you, huh? Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, how did you accumulate your points? Tell us about the fish that you caught. Well, I started off
4: getting some little bass, sculping here and there, and then I got an opali, which oh, uh-huh. I thought was a spotted of bay bass, and I was like, whoa. Oh, and what part of the
1: pier were you fishing on?
4: I was fishing on the left end under the pier.
1: Okay. Way out where it goes out towards the bay or more uh, towards the shoreline? Towards the shoreline. Towards the shoreline. Okay, now, did you have any help? I mean, I know there were... A lot of uh, people from San Diego Anglers and the Rod and Reel Club and a lot of uh, people over there. Did you have a lot of people helping you out, or was this something you were doing pretty much on your own? I did it relatively on my own. Well, this was uh, it seemed to be a pretty good strategy. Now, during the course of the day, because the event went from, I believe it was 8.30 till about noon, how many fish did you catch?
4: I got 14, but they weren't big fish, really, but I was just going for
1: most. And this was a yeah, catch but it, and release it's also done on a. What's that, Wendy? It's
4: also, it's
3: also done on a point system, right? So the more fish you catch, the more points you get?
1: Correct. Okay. okay, and did you also get points for different species?
4: Um, It was 10 points for an exotic and and one point for anything else.
1: Well, I bet you an opalite was kind of considered an exotic, wasn't it? No. No. Wow.
2: What's What's considered an exotic?
4: I think there was a halibut, um, lizard fish, stuff like that. Mm.
1: So, in your count, were there any exotics? No. So you just went on volume then, huh?
4: Oh yeah.
1: Oh great. Oh, yeah. So tell <laughs> us now. Tell us, you uh, uh, how'd you do in your particular age bracket?
4: Uh, pretty gosh darn good.
1: Okay, which means what? You came in second. You came in fourth first you came in first in your age bracket great well that was that must have been pretty exciting since you had never placed in an age bracket in any of the other events okay but then there was another award that was to be given away and tell us about that award it was for overall
4: and so it was overall for most fish in the entire tournament
1: okay or for the most fish or the most points the most points okay so and so what were you thinking when did you think you had a chance to get it or what were you thinking when they were you know tabulating the results and getting ready to announce who the overall winner was
4: i thought i might have an okay chance but i I just didn't expect anything i just knew i had a good time and that's all that mattered.
1: All right, and had you been watching any other of the kids, kind of watching to see, hey, what are they catching down there, or anything like that? No, or because, those, saying...
4: because those fish are so not the biggest fish. You really have to use a small little rod, really light line. See, and you really have to feel for those bites.
1: I see. So they just didn't like a uh, ghost shrimp. They just didn't grab it and start running away. It was sort of like a light finesse bite.
4: It's they like nip at it come back and nip at it and usually when i like to get them is on the third hit
1: oh okay they
4: seem to take it the most is on the third hit
1: wow now tell me there was an announcement made of the overall winner tell me about that
4: um i thought i was like is this actually happening
1: really what why did they announce your name or what
4: they announced my name and i was like "What? what what i mean what happened
1: Wow, and were there a lot of people there cheering and applauding and everything? Oh yeah. Right. Now, for overall winner, what what were you awarded?
4: I was awarded um two half-day trips and I got my name on the perpetual trophy.
1: All right. Nice. And then <laughs> what did wasn't there a fellow by the name of Bob the bone carver there that had a yes. special
4: Yes, and uh the uh, It was like a turtle necklace. Yeah. Curved out of bone with a uh, Ale- Hawaiian alia shell on the
1: top. Wow. Cool. Now, that had to be pretty cool. Oh, it was awesome. Well, now, since then, you were telling me that you've actually had a chance to go do some uh, uh, other fishing events or other fishing experiences. Tell me about that.
4: Well, like, like just, just a few days ago, I went on a... Overnight on the new Okay. four out of uh, Point Loma Sport Fishing, four yellowfin tuna. Oh, boy, did we hammer them. You did, (laughs) huh? We got four of them on the boat.
1: Wow. You brought in four fish?
4: Four yellowfin tuna. Uh,
1: And were those your first yellowfin ever? Yes. Holy Christmas. Stan, he's got more than we have this year.
2: Huh?
1: I think he's got more than we have this year.
2: Well... Quite possibly so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not Wendy. I know Wendy's got a beat. <laughs> Not Wendy's got a
2: beat. I think I've got a no yellowfin. I think I've got three of them in the boat. So,
3: well, you know what? You were on a great boat. Marcus Medick is an awesome captain, and he really knows how to
4: put people on fish.
1: Was well, it? Was that your first time on a boat like that? No. No, okay. I had gone
4: out one one other time, and I got out bluefin that time. All right. With, with uh, four school tail.
1: Wow. Well, what did you think about uh, fishing on the new Luan? Because uh, that's one of Wendy's favorite boats, and she likes the crew over there. Were they pretty good? Oh,
4: excellent.
1: Okay. And tell me, were you kind of feeling tired after bringing in four big fish like that?
4: Next day, I got out of bed saying, ugh.
1: now were all those fish caught on live bait yes and tell me how were you looking hooking your live bait and what kind of rig were you using
4: I was using fly line and we did not have the best bait situation because actually out of mission bay which we were not uh, that people were getting turned away because they had no bait Really? but Mm. in San Diego Bay they had some bait and we were we took it happily, but most of it was red and stuff like that. So, oh. but so they cut up some chunks, and so I, I fit I caught three of my fish on live bait. I got two of them on nose hook. Sorry, yeah, I got two fish on popper, which were handoffs from the deckhands, okay. and and I got. One on live bait, and one on the chunk.
1: Wow. So you had yourself a pretty good day. Now, what have you done with all that fish? Did you make pokey out of it, or or sashimi, or what did you do?
4: We we ate what we could last night, and uh, we vacuum back the rest.
1: All right. That sounds good. So what do you think? You're going to be uh, a fisherman now for the rest of your life after this oh, experience? yeah. All right. Man, and... You love saltwater fishing? You you know, Stan Vandenberg's a pretty fantastic freshwater fisherman. Wendy's a good saltwater fisherman. I just talk about fishing, so <laughs> we'd be happy to help you out as much as we can.
3: <laughs> you know, one thing that would be good for you or maybe for you to think about is maybe you and your dad can join a fishing club, and you'll yeah. be able to learn a lot from the other anglers that are in the clubs. and they'll be more than happy, I'm sure, to uh uh, help you out and maybe even take you
1: fishing oh yeah yeah. the san diego anglers they promote that a lot of family fishing and youth tournaments and everything like that and we'll get together afterwards and and i'll give you the contact for them because that'd be kind of fun oh okay. yeah 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 well i don't know i i just want to congratulate you on your enthusiasm to go fishing yeah 10 years old winning this tournament i mean there were a lot of older kids uh that would have loved to have had that. And now you have your name on the perpetual trophy. No one can ever take that away from you. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Where do they keep the trophy? Do you know?
4: Uh, I'm forgetting th- at the moment. <laughs> I think they
1: keep it over at the Marlin Club.
4: Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, so you can go over there and visit. And go, hey, that's my name on there. Now are you gonna are you gonna try and come back next year and defend your title?
4: Yes, I am. And,
1: and you had a you had a good time. There was a lot of good sponsors for that event: the Port of San Diego, San Diego Sports Fishing Council. But there was also a good friend of ours, Tommy Gones, over there making fish tacos. Did you have fish tacos?
4: Oh yeah, they're my they're my hands down favorite taco. <laughs> All
1: right. And your gear? Did you bring your own gear, or yes. did the people from Akuma help you out?
4: I had, I got my own stuff.
1: All right. And so now you're looking at upgrading. Stan, Stan and Wendy, I couldn't keep him out of the tackle store over here. Uh, uh, in fact, we, we were late getting on the air because, man, he, he's going through that tackle. He knows what the stuff is better than I do.
2: Well, you know, that's one of the, that, that'll that make him a successful fisherman just right there.
1: <laughs> for sure. Well, Ethan and, and Charles, I want to thank you so much for, for coming to, to uh, be with us. Now, school starts real soon, or are you already started?
4: I go back September eighth, so well, I got two weeks.
1: All right. You think maybe if you get a chance, you might try to sneak out and fish the bay or anything like that. There. Oh yeah. We all fish right.
4: Fish the bay is whenever I can.
1: All right, and and you got a couple of half day trips, so it sounds like you have an opportunity to go fishing again before the summer uh, time is over for you. But oh yeah, you can go fish the weekends and everything else like that.
5: Oh yeah.
1: All right. For, for any sure. of the for any of our listeners that are uh, out there that are your age, do you have any advice?
4: Um, personally, a nice, a nice heavy setup that won't that well if you're fishing under the pier like I was. Okay. A really light, sensitive, ultralight
1: rod. Okay, that sounds good because the fish are normally a little bit smaller, and if you want to catch fish, you got to kind of finesse them. Yes. You You know,
4: you cannot reel super fast, or they'll just be off your hook in 2.2
2: seconds.
1: Well, Stan, that's that's almost pretty close to the same advice that you give uh, freshwater uh, finesse fishermen, is it not?
2: And that is, you know, you kind of uh, match the the hatch a little bit with the bait, and then, you know, if there, if the uh, especially for finesse fishing, you know, lighter line and uh, the right equipment makes all the difference in the world. Presentation right. is everything.
1: Well, Ethan Mays, uh, 2015 champion of the, of the San Diego Youth Tournament, going to come back next year to defend your championship. Thank you for taking some of your Sunday night to be with us and bringing your wonderful family with you. Yes. And Charles, thank you so much for driving him on over here so he, he could be with us on Rod and Real Radio. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Hey, this is Rod and Real Radio on AM540 or at ronrealradio.com. Coming up next, what the heck is Phil thinking? Stay tuned. We'll be back right after these messages.
6: Now.
7: Adventures. Call today HM Landing 619 222 1144 or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. HM Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi day fishing since 1935. That's HM Landing at 619 222 1144 or hmlanding.com.
8: 2015 and 16, quantum fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand-new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your baitcasters, the PTA design has new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone-crushing drag, quantum fishing. We are performance-tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. Gracias
6: a la pose. Hemos presentado Padre Nuestro al 562 401 4030 401 Para respaldar la invasión Si desea escribirnos Envíe sus peticiones play play Y apoyo do do. económico Al P.O.B.A.S 40231 for down for California
1: 90239 39 the
5: Este tiempo de programación fue traído
9: a usted por el apoyo financiero de los leones de Sion. Una de Sion. sea parte de este ejército All de Gedeones de Sion, llamando Plate
1: al 562-420-140, 562-420-140. Go to bloomfisherking.com for information big deal, you know, I've always oh. wanted to be on Rod Real Radio. Hey, welcome back to Rod and Real Radio. Hey, Wendy and Stan, wasn't it really a pleasure to have a young man like that on here? It's... It, uh, ethan is the uh, future of fishing
2: years old to have your name on a trophy uh, and especially in a tournament like that that's huge <laughs> you know
3: i think it's awesome you know that he got hooked so fast i mean just by someone giving him a rod and reel you know yeah. and and that goes to show you you know maybe for gifts maybe we should give out more rod and reels <laughs>
1: I, <yeah. laughs> it
2: is our future i mean oh he was right you got a that's when it's just changed his life, and he'll he'll be involved with the, the sport for the rest of his life because of that. That's pretty awesome.
1: Well, let's bring on a man right now that's seen the faces of a lot of kids, helping him uh, introduce him to fishing. He is a voice of PFO Radio, Mr. Phil Friedman. Phil, how are you doing tonight?
9: John, Wendy, Stan, and everybody, it is great to be with you. I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Hey, We are doing great
1: We just had uh, 10-year-old Ethan Mays on. He won the 2015 Youth Anglers Tournament on Mission Bay, and I can't believe not only how gung-ho he is about fishing, but what a gentleman he is. He was absolutely a class act kid, 10 years old. I couldn't believe his composure. So I hope he continues fishing, because he was really one heck of a fine individual, and It was great meeting his family. I I know, Phil, you get a chance to do that all the time, too,
9: with a a lot of the projects you're involved with. I do, and congratulations, Ethan. I know you're still listening to the show, and I don't know what comes up first, the fact that you're such a great angler, such a great young man. That's hard to pick, my friend, but that is all good stuff. And, yeah, John, I have been doing that since a police officer back in, I think, 1989, asked if uh, we could take a group of kids fishing. Uh, he thought it might give them a different perspective on life. They were kids that lived in at-risk neighborhoods. They dealt with things that I certainly never dealt with in my youth growing up. And we did it, and we saw a little sparkle there and a little uh, you know, change, not a huge dramatic change, but we saw something there, and we continued it, and during that time period we're up to, Over about 70,000 kids out into the great outdoors, mostly fishing. That's what we love more than anything. And uh, there's nothing better than seeing that magical first tug at the line. And you never know, John, what fork in the road you may come to. It certainly doesn't happen with every single kid every single time. But if it happens to one out of a 1,000, I'm good with that. If you can change one kid's direction in life and show them this world that they've never, ever seen before and open these new doors, man, I'm all for that. It is just something when you see that light go on in that kid's eyes, you know you've got them hooked, and you know they're going to grow up to protect the ocean, protect the ocean's environment, protect the creatures in it while enjoying the great sport of fishing. There's nothing like it.
1: You know, Wendy, with uh, your position with Eiserlein, I know you also have the opportunity to introduce a lot of kids to the first time, and you've probably seen many times yourself exactly what Phil's talking about.
3: Oh, exactly. You know, and it's so neat to see the smiles on their faces, not only to um, a a lot of the kids, but even adults who've never done it before. It's, It's just a great, rewarding feeling.
1: Well, hey, listen, let's go on to another subject. Phil, are there still fish
9: off of our shoreline here? Oh, my God, John, I don't know where to start. I mean, there's so much going on. But as evidence that there are still fish out there, I went out with Andrew Hard from the Freedom Boat Club here in Huntington Beach. That's a a boat club where you have an initiation fee and then you pay a monthly fee. And then you get to use these beautiful 2015 boats. And it's evidence that there is still fish out there. I told Andrew where to go. We shut the boat down and we caught five giant yellowtail. If that's not evidence, if I can do it. I'm telling you, my grandmother could do it, and she's been dead for 30 years, so uh, there's so much fish out there that even I can figure it out, and I'm telling you, no matter where you look, let's kind of dig into it a little bit, and I know probably down in your neck of the woods you've covered some of it, but I'll just kind of run through it a little bit. South of the border now, the kelps are loading up with smaller grade yellow fin tuna, some yellowtail, and a lot more dorado. There were several boats that limited out on flatheads today. That was really good to see, so... We've got this new fish moving up, and it's mostly smaller, but there's some bigger stuff mixed up with it. All really good to see. Bluefin tuna have been kind of out of the picture until yesterday when the Aztec cranked out about 75 big bluefin tuna. The grande was all over the big bluefin and big yellowfin tuna today also in U.S. waters. And you've got to think now that that bluefin probably is getting back into the picture, looking up in the sky looking at their calendar and saying full moon, August 29th. That's right. We like to bite on the full. And so you start to see that BFT start to bite again. It's nice. Great. Most of it's 25 to 40, but there's some to 60, 70 pounds. And every once in a while, one guy or two guys will get one of those giant, big 150-plus-pound bluefin tuna. So that's all coming together. It's a little spotty. It's fishing. So they don't bite every single day. But up there off Oceanside two days ago, the private boaters, were all over the fish. They came to the corner, eating the chunks, the chunk bait. It was just as good as you could possibly want it. Really great fishing. And then locally out of Oceanside, real close there to Oceanside Harbor, the Sea Trek and my friend Sean Hardigan, who runs the Sea Trek, he says every single yellow they caught yesterday was over thirty pounds. Not fifteen to thirty. Everything over thirty. Big giant yellows along the coast they're biting very well and then offshore from there at times some really wonderful yellowfin tuna fishing if that's not enough for you just talk to john woodrum on the pursuit at catalina he's got over a hundred yellowtail today in phenomenal fishing a lot of big stuff over there just got off the phone also preparing for the show doing my homework for you john so that you're happy with me i just got (laughs) off the phone with george who is running the victory They had over 50 big local yellowtail fishing out near the rigs and the horseshoe kelp in that area. And George said, man, I thought this thing was over the other day. We had six yellows on the boat, and we'd all thrown up our hands and thought, well, it lasted for longer than we thought it would, and boom, back into it again. Another sign that the fight is as good as it could get. Joaquin Espinosa, my co-host from our Spanish radio show, he even caught a fish today. I mean, whenever Joaquin and I are catching fish, Anybody can do it. It's really, really good. And, of course, I'll throw Joaquin's photo up in just a moment. So that is continuing to go on. And as you look up into the Channel Islands, that bite hasn't been all that great. But it's not for a lack of fish. Talking to Sean Stewart on the Aloha Spirit, and Sean's just a phenomenal skipper. He was telling me that there's so many yellowtail up here that it's going to blow sky high one day. He had 17 the other day, and they're all big, beautiful yellows. There's been some white sea bass also, which may rally on the full moon also, another species that likes to bite on the pool. So that could get rocking up there. And, of course, they've had some good calico bass fishing, some good bonita fishing, and that is all looking good. And then locally, once again, back here in front of Long Beach in San Pedro, we were out again with Andrew on the Freedom Boat Club, and and those fish, I mean, we caught them on the mackerel, we caught them on the dean, we caught them on the iron, there was calico bass, there was bonita, there was barracuda, a couple of guys sent me a note today and uh, they were uh, listening to our show the other day. Ryan and Taylor Reed they fish on a boat called the Heidi O. They were all over the local yellows. Had great fishing yesterday. So, John, the answer, I guess the long answer, <laughs> is there's still a lot of fish off the coast. And I've got the feeling that the best is yet to come. As unbelievable as that may sound, who knows what else may lie in the future. Someone's got to catch a skin one of these days. You know there's going to be a wahoo. I wouldn't be shocked to see some blue Marlin bites on this next full moon either. And the striped Marlin bite as good as it gets in Southern California. It simply can't get any better. Sean Morgan, who's one of the better Marlin guys around Sean said, I'm seeing double digit Marlin. Every time I go, we sometimes have as many seven, eight, nine fish in a day caught and released. So really great stuff as Baja has truly come to Southern California. Man. Now, and Not only is the fishing great
1: for the species that you talked about, but we're also starting to see some big numbers on Dorado coming on in, uh, especially down here in San Diego. Are they coming up as far as uh, uh, Long Beach and uh, the L.A. area there, uh, Phil?
9: John, not as many as you're seeing down in your neck of the woods. That, that appears to be something that's just starting to flush in here. But there has been times. There's been signs of life up here. The Western Pride... Hit a kelp for close to twenty uh, flatheads the other day, and there's been other private boaters who've had some really good scores on dorado. Sean Morgan, the guy I was just talking about, the good marlin fisherman, was off Point Furman, only three to five miles off there, and saw kelps loaded with flatheads. So that stuff's starting to move up and in. It's it's funny to me that we haven't seen that earlier, but and we have. But I mean, I I think we're gonna really see some crazy stuff going on here, like some. Big scores on half-day boats down there out of Oceanside, Newport, up there, San Pedro, Long Beach. I think that's in our future, and I think it's just starting to happen. We're seeing it start to walk up the northern Baja area. It'll cross into southern California, and I think it's game on on the flatheads. There's been some big eye tuna around in addition, another warm-water species, some skipjack, another warm-water species. It's really, really great to see all this different variety moving in. And it's a situation when you leave the docks, you're really not sure what you're going to catch. You may know you're going to have a great day, and in most cases you do, but the mystery also adds to the entire experience. You know, Phil, you were mentioning
1: also going out with the Freedom Boat Club. Uh, A few weeks ago, we had Dan uh, Hasbrook from the San Diego uh, branch of the Freedom Boat Club. He was on the show explaining about the service they had, and isn't that... Absolutely a fantastic service where you can join up the club. You've got access to these boats that are beautiful. You don't have to worry about launching them, maintaining them, cleaning them. You just call up, reserve your boat, and take off. It, it It's a great
9: idea. It is a fabulous idea. And, you know, there's guys that wouldn't be able to otherwise do this. They can't afford a new boat. And I'm talking a beautiful brand-new boat. But to give you an example, John, when we showed up down there, at Peter's Landing in Huntington Beach. Andrew was there to meet us. He had our tackle and all our stuff. He helped us load it onto the boat. He had the boat running. It was ready to go. We jumped on. We're out to the bait receiver. A few minutes later, because they're so speedy, we did about 28 knots going out there. We were fishing. We had a hookup in the first five minutes, and we're just looking at each other going, wow, how can this get any better? And then, as you say, you get back in, and you don't worry about anything. You don't worry about the fuel. You don't worry about cleaning the boat. I mean, the only thing you got to worry about is going home and doing the barbecue. And you're doing that <laughs> while they're taking care of all that other stuff. And you know, no insurance, no dock fee, none of that. It's really a great idea. And I thoroughly enjoyed our day out there. We had a great time, Joaquina Espinosa and myself and Andrew and Rafael Yamas from Paramount, California. We just had a wonderful time. And this is the same service John that Philip went out on with his lovely fiance Jessica and proposed to her at the west end of Catalina Island and Andrew made that happen and pulled that all together and it was really really a lovely uh, experience for not only Jessica but Philip and everybody that was on board we shot a video of that if anybody would like to see it but just great stuff and and I've got to tell you long overdue and a wonderful idea I absolutely love it and, and I'll be out again this week doing that <sighs>
1: All right, Phil. Hey, if we want to catch up with what's happening with Phil Friedman Outdoors, uh, your uh, blogs, uh, your sound bites, and also your Spanish-speaking shows,
9: how's the best way to go about doing it? John, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. You can do that by going to www.pfomedia.com or PFO on Facebook, www.aventurasaladelibre.com or Aventurasaladelibre on Facebook, And, of course, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Google+, and everything else. You can listen to podcast (laughs) shows there, and you can get all the very latest as we have interviews from the Victory from several boats coming in right now. We'll have that all up on PFOMedia.com. And, as always, it's such a pleasure to be with you and Stan and Wendy and, of course, all the great men and women out there who love the great sport of fishing. Well, you know what? If you're a fisherman... This is a great time to be one. And, Phil, thanks a lot
1: for bringing us up to date what's happening. Another great report. We'll probably be speaking to you during the week. We'll be following you on your uh, on Facebook and uh, all the other social media you're on. Thanks a lot for giving up some of your Sunday night to be with us. We'll talk to you next week. Pleasure, John. Take care, everybody. All right. Hey, coming up next, the California inshore report with Cap. James Nelson. Stay tuned. Stan, Wendy, and I will be back after these messages.
6: Tuna hooks, ring the hooks tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. My angler
5: H2Oath. I will scent my lure with pride. And hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here and always Always wear my life jacket.
0: What's your H2O? Tell
5: us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State
0: Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California.
1: This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rocklease at your local fishing tackle dealer. And we do want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg is with us tonight. So is Wendy Toshihara. And it's now time for the Southern California Inshore Report with a fish icon himself, Captain James Nelson. And Captain James is with us. Captain James, aloha. How you doing, sir? Well,
10: good evening,
1: John and family. I'm doing great. How you doing? All right. Hey, uh, tell us about this past week on the water. What were your experiences?
10: Oh, my experiences were everything from a little bit of this to a little bit of that to that not working, this getting done, and that not working right and fixing it and getting out there and getting going. (laughs) Sounds like the life of a guide. (laughs) 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 So a a lot of what we've been doing this week, other than uh, maybe a trip or two in the bay, a lot of it's just been our local kelp, and, you know, the fish were not disappointing at all. I mean, a lot of good barracuda, big bonita, some yellowtail, know. Lots of mammals, unfortunately, but you've got them. They're there. The tax man's got to come sometime.
1: All got to pay our dues.
10: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But uh, Uh, it's just been beautiful.
10: Great weather, great scenery, good water, good fishing.
1: Great. You know, uh, I saw you uh, uh, on your Facebook. This just seemed to be the week of catching a lot of barracuda. Did, was that a misconception on my point, or were you into a lot of barracuda this week? We were
10: into a lot of barracuda, John, and you only saw, you know, parts of them. We just basically took pictures of the ones bigger than 40 inches. <laughs> all, the, all the other little ones, we didn't even take pictures of them, and there were plenty between, oh, there, I think there were only a few that were less than 28 inches, so there was a lot of fish between 30 and 40 inches that we caught this week. And uh, some folks keep some and some folks don't. So, you know, there's still a lot of them about, uh, back out there swimming, a little jaw hurt, but that's about it. <laughs> is, it
1: is there any way to, to try and target some of these big log barracuda? Because uh, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't the barracuda have to be about 36 inches to keep?
10: He's got to be 28, 28, and as far as uh, to target the big ones, you know, you'd think that big bait means big fish, but when it comes to saltwater, I think you, you and I both have seen, especially with uh, some of our local stuff, that that doesn't really matter. We've we've used you know five inch or less, three to five inch anchovies, and caught some forty inch barracuda, and we've used uh, nine inch sardines and caught fourteen inch barracuda. So you just never know.
1: <laughs> wow. Hey, and, and Jim, let's go to this uh, this tuna bite of two thousand fifteen. We had. Seen a lot of fish really, really close to the shoreline. Do the fish seem to be moving a little bit farther out, or from what you've been able to ascertain, are are they still fairly close?
10: You know, I really have no clue on the tuna, and I'd be, I'd be the first person to say that. Uh, in the past, what I've done is you know, usually refer somebody who only wants to catch tuna, whose only thought is to catch tuna, I usually refer them over to guys at Seasons, those guys are always on them. However, I found out that they're now booked up almost till October. So if you can't get a hold of them, great. But if not, you know, I have been taking folks out for our local kelp because that's really my forte uh, as far as tuna bait. They, they confuse me. You know, we I did have some guys, some uh, guys that I've taken out before. We've done everything from bonefish to barracuda to yellowtail. And they convinced me to take them out there tuna fishing last week. And we went out there. We had, John, I kid you not, tuna were slapping the boat, literally slapping the boat. I think they put scars in my, in my, uh, in my wrap on my boat, and they would not bite. They just, they're the most confusing fish I've ever seen. Um, there are a lot of them out there being caught, but if you talk to guys at the ramp, you could talk to one boat out of 20 that absolutely loaded up, and everybody else is catching one or two fish, and they think that's great. To me, going out for eight, nine hours, you got four guys on the boat and two fish are put in the boat, that's not great. But that's not me. I'm, I'm, I mean, that's just me. I'm not a tuna fisherman. To me, I'd like to see a lot more action and a lot less drifting.
1: Well, <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> I, I can understand that. And uh, judging by uh, some of the pictures I saw, I know you did uh, a little research trip there with uh, uh, the good people from Phoenix, uh uh baits and it looked like uh, you were able to figure them out
10: do you know and that's it and that may maybe that's an effective El nino maybe that's effective all the tuna pushing the bait close but i mean we're getting a lot of yellowtail in 60 feet of water uh sometimes even a little bit less i mean just barely it outside the kelp a lot of times up under the kelp just right in the kelp beds, whereas last year we were catching more on the ridge lines, on the break lines, and anywhere between 85 to 110 feet of water outside where the bulk kelp is, but we're not. We're catching those, and that's why we're catching a lot of barracuda, because we're catching the yellowtail is really what we're targeting, but we're fishing barracuda water to catch yellowtail, and when you're doing that, of course, you're going to catch a lot of barracuda, you're going to catch bonita, you're going to catch calico bass, but we're really believe it or not, we're targeting yellowtail in that shallow water because they're pushed up in there, too. And here's the thing that we're learning. You know, we're, we're throwing 50-pound Iserline braid with 40-pound fluorocarbon leaders, and we're still busting fish off because those big yellowtail, they're pushing up that bait in that shallow water. As soon as you hook them on, they are down, and they're in the rocks, they're in the kelp. And if you don't move their head and get them up and slice into that kelp quickly, you're going to lose them in the rocks. And this I mean, it's just, it's a tough battle. And there's some big, you've seen there's some big yellowtails we're catching in real skinny water.
1: Stan, doesn't that kind of sound like fishing La Paz more than fishing off of San Diego?
3: Huh, We maybe we lost him.
1: I guess we lost Stan. Wow. Stan's... Mm, nope, nope, nope. Came back. Okay. Stan. <laughs> r- yes. You know, what uh, James was describing, uh, uh, getting rocked by yellowtail just right off our local kelp over here, that sounded more like La Paz than it sounded like San Diego.
2: I know. This is the most unique year of fishing we've had, and I don't even know. Uh, When you've got 200-pound bluefin four miles off the beach, um, you've got Dorado in the channel. (laughs) I mean, there have been tuna outside on the outside of the channel islands already get albacore all the way up in washington um this is just crazy
11: it is
1: <laughs> you know i you know i kept james uh, uh if people are booking with you within the next couple of weeks and they're looking for you know suggestions of what type of tackle to bring what kind of a trip i, I know you go where they want to go but if uh they're looking for you for guidance. Uh, you know what's the best thing to do? Do you think?
10: Well, again, you know, if you're fishing that local kelp, be be prepared to catch a bruiser yellowtail and be happy with everything else, because you are going to get a lot more steady action. You're going to have fun. Now, if you want to venture out there and get tuna, I mean, that's great. Do your research. There's a lot of good information out there between uh, all the various sites Bloody Dags, you know, SD Fish, all these guys that. That get on there and talk on the boards. Most of them are really giving you good information, you know, especially right now. Tuna, everybody likes seeing other people catch fish when it comes to tuna. You know, we're all high-fiving each other when somebody catches a big fish. It's not like your favorite trout or bass hole. I mean, everybody likes to get out there and get fish, and they like, they like to reward each other. So there's a lot of good information out there. If you can get on a boat that's already going, that's already on the fish, look at the reports, get on them and then ask that captain what to do. But if you're going on a private boat or you're going on your own boat or with a buddy, I highly suggest at least 50-pound braid and have everything from 25 to 50-pound fluorocarbon leader. And just be prepared. You know, again, uh, these fish that we're getting, especially the, the local yellowtail, are just real bruisers, and you got to be, be ready. Don't be afraid. If you're throwing 40-pound tests, don't be afraid to hunker that drag down and just make sure that, you know, you're you're ready to lift that rod and lift that rod and lift that rod and keep lifting that rod when you're putting that fish in.
1: Wendy, I want to check in with you quickly because you had an experience. You went out and got some fish, and I hear so many fishermen going out on a three-quarter-day boat, and they said, man, I thought it was supposed to be wide open. It, it wasn't. And then I, I look at, like, today's reading from the Molahini. They went on out there and... Uh, caught, uh, I don't know, it was it's some ungodly number. It was 130 yellowfin tuna on the three-quarter-day boat. How would you find the fishing when you were out there?
3: You know, for us, it was a little slow. Um, you know, and it is fishing. It's hit or miss. You, you know, it could be great one day and full-on full one day, and then the next day, you know, it could be hard to find. So, you know, they have fins. They swim. And uh, they can swim fast and far, really, <laughs> really quickly. So,
1: <laughs> you know, uh, Jim. The other thing I've heard about too is that with such pressure on the resource, everyhand brothers, they always do a great job. But we're we're finding that on some days the bait isn't as well cured as we like to see it. Uh, what what are you doing as an alternate? If you're going on out there and maybe you were depending on live bait and you, you didn't find the bait as good as you'd like to see us, what else are you doing to catch these fish?
10: Well, you know, that, that's a great question, John. Uh, and I, I really like talking about that. That's what we did today was it was an all-lure, it was an all no-bait trip with, with Robert and uh, he had a videographer, Gary, out there with us. And that's what we were doing. Uh, Robert, of course, you know, the owner of Phoenix uh, Baits, and he's got a couple new uh, jigs that he's irons, uh, and they're the Cedros line. So we really wanted to get fish on that. And of course, he makes a nice lead head, so I wanted to get fish on that. I got a new little reel that I really wanted to catch fish on. So I put on a little lead head with a little Western plastics tail out there, and I got a really big barracuda on it, which was fun on a little <laughs> thousand size spinning reel. But
2: uh, how big? Are, how big are the barracuda running?
10: They're running uh, up to forty inches and more, Stan. Just railroad ties just huge things yeah and uh and so that was really fun and we didn't need bait bait as far as uh what a lot of guys i know that are doing too is they're chunking bait so whether you're catching mackerel or you got leftover sardines stop feeding them to the pelicans at the end of the day if you think you're going to come back within a week throw them in a ziploc and bring them out for your next trip if, know, if there's a shortage of bait at the bait barge, just take that frozen stuff out there and cut it up. Yeah, Wendy.
3: You know, I, I do want to say it, it, is been, it has been tough. We're getting some really nice big sardines, but because of the water temperatures, the water temperatures are too warm for the sardines. And so they're dying really quickly and they're getting beat up. And it just they're not, like you said, cured like, like um, they would be, also because we're turning them over so fast. But when I was out there on the boat... The last few times I've been out there fishing for tuna, um, most of my fish, almost all, in fact, the last trip, all my fish came on on jigs um, and poppers. I didn't catch any on live bait, and I don't know why, but they didn't like my live bait presentation.
1: Well, we're getting kind of uh, with the uh, uh, the yellowfin being more prevalent. And Stan, you're you're probably the guy to talk best about this uh, yellowfin tuna. Kind of like poppers, do they not?
2: Yellowfin tuna like anything; <laughs> they're the least picky, I think, of the fish that are out there. They love a popper. Um, you can throw that spro popper. their Daiwa makes a bigger one. So there's a lot of different styles that you can throw, um, and they be the guys now that are even making rods just for poppers. A lot of the guys with spinning reels, uh, the spinning rods are are becoming pretty popular because their poppers aren't aren't real heavy harder to cast with the, uh, a bait caster, but you can do a long cast with, a, with the uh, uh, spinning reels. And, and the guys have just been beating them up left and right on that. And then the flat fall baits that are out there now, the, that's been a very popular item. And, you know, the mega baits, anything that gets down to them, um, whether The Colt you're, snipers
3: uh, were kicking butt. What
1: was that? <laughs> the, Colt the, the Colt snipers.
3: The Colt sniper,
1: huh?
3: In white. You know, I looked at that jig, and I'm like, yeah, it's just another jig. That thing kicks butt.
1: (laughs) You know, and and Captain James, when you're out there on the edge of the kelp, uh, would you recommend throwing some type of a popper on the edge and see what happens?
10: You know, I still haven't gone that route yet, um, but why not? You know, especially... I know with Barracuda we have used a lot of big stick baits, you know whether they, you know, be any of the Jap- various Japanese models that are out there, Yo know, Zuri, Lucky Craft like that, or even, uh, you know, our our Repolis, you know, just. But we've thrown a lot of good little stick baits out there and, and had fun with them. We've thrown, of course, the irons, um, and we have thrown. I had uh, Gary today had a really big fish hit his Colt Sniper. He was throwing it on a bass rod. Although it was loaded with 30-pound with braid, you know, it was a bass reel, size 200, and that fish spooled him. Oh, it, it just kept going, and uh, we had the boat, the boat running, and she charged towards <laughs> it, and I couldn't keep up with it with the motor running. And it just spooled him. So who knows what that was. I think that was a Wahoo stand. Well, Might have been, buddy. Yeah, it could have been.
1: You know, <laughs> well, so, continues <laughs> the, so continues the season of 2015. Captain James, people want to check out your schedule, go fishing with you uh Go half day, full day. How's the best way to go about doing that?
10: Well, you can always reach me online. It's thefishicon.com. Again, thefishicon.com. Or call me, 619-395-0799.
1: All right, Captain James Nelson, thanks a lot for being with us. Another great report. James, you have a very successful and safe week of fishing, and we look forward to speaking to you again next Sunday night on Rod and Reel Radio.
10: Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys, and uh, you yeah, have a great week. We'll see you next week. Good All luck right. with those waddle, buddy.
1: All right. Well, Stan, we've got coming up, hopefully, if we can catch up with him. Uh, our next guest is going to be a guy that is just ripping them up on the BASS circuit. And uh, I know you've known him for a long time, Wendy. I know you know him, too. Coming up next, A Mart, Captain, Captain Aaron Martins. We might as well call him Captain because he's about ready to take over the whole show. If we can catch up with him, last time I talked to him, he was on a run in a thunderstorm. So let's hope uh, JR can do that voodoo that he does so well. Schedule next, Aaron Martins is with us. You're listening to Ron Real Radio on AM 540 or at ronrealradio.com. We'll be back right after these messages.
7: Long range adventures. Call today HM Landing 619 222 1144 or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. HM Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi day fishing since 1935. That's HM Landing at 619 222 1144 or hmlanding.com.
5: My Angler h 20 I will never use that
8: Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT, to the Tour Mag, to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or Angler's Arsenal in Mesa at 619-466-8355.
3: Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford.
1: In Southern California, we do want to welcome you back to Rod Reel Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with us tonight. So's is Wendy Toshihara. And we've caught up with our next guest. And I don't know if there's any way you can introduce him. He's three-time champion of the One Bass U.S. Open here on Lake Mead. He has 76 top ten finishes and Bassmaster appearances. He's got nine wins there. He has been second in the Bassmaster Classic four times, 16th appearances overall. This year, he's ripping them up. He won the Bassmaster event. At Lake uh, Lake Havasu, he also won the event just last weekend on the Chesapeake Bay. He is the total point leader for Angler of the Year Bassmat and Bassmaster. Who else could I be talking about but Mr. Aaron Martin and Aaron? Welcome to the show. Hey,
12: how is it going, guys? I'm actually pretty good, Aaron. How you been, buddy? I can't. I can't. I kind of have to still work when I talk to you guys. I hate doing that, but. There's a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> no, that's all right. I'm actually making my lunches for tomorrow and uh, making my dinner at the same time. But my lunch, I usually do two days worth of lunches in one day. peanut butter sandwiches? I, talk, I have a taco. Uh, yeah, no, I do a lot of side like, blend stuff. Taco Heroes, like, uh, literally, from probably from my blender, is about eight feet. And, and then Brent Chapman's on the other side of me, about 10 feet away. And I got the loudest blender in existence. I got one of those blend tanks in it. It'll wake up the neighborhood for sure. And their talk of heroes already asleep. Do you believe that? Those guys are wimpy, I guess. I don't know.
1: I got you know, an hour Aaron, or two to go. You're on what <laughs> heck of a schedule. How do you keep yourself in condition to to uh, keep up with this grueling pace? Because not only do you have four, uh, four days yeah. of tournament fishing, how do you do it?
12: Yeah, I, I, didn't get, I mean, the most sleep I got last week was five hours, and that was this night. Um, and you know, you sleep, you wake up, you know, five thirty, and do it, and then get back, you know, at eight thirty, and you know, usually I try. That's why I try two do day, two, two days of lunches at once. So I make my own my own food. I make my wife's around. She helps a lot, but uh, you know, like they have school, so she only goes to maybe half, a little less than half of them. But I just make all my own food, and I eat really healthy, and uh, I eat a lot, so it kind of, I, I eat when I'm supposed to. So I can do I can do with the four hours, four and a half hours sleep a night all week and fish all day, and it doesn't affect me, which is crazy because most everybody around me gets eight or eight hours of sleep at least. But I have too much to do. I don't know how to do that. I always have things to do and like, tackle to work on and food to make. My food takes me a couple hours probably, and once I get it all ready, it's quick. So a couple hours every couple days on food alone you know do my breakfasts and stuff it's but i think that's what helps me uh, right. to Let, maintain the energy i have
1: let's let's go back a little bit to your first one of the year over at Lake Havasu. Ron Real Radio happened to be there and we thank you so much for being so gracious to do interviews with us but when you got up on stage there the bite that you attributed that you were catching your fish on was a blackbird bite was was that for sure? Was that was that the real deal?
12: Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're eating blackbirds. There's no doubt about that. But that wasn't, I mean, those fish were in there because the habitat was really good where I was fishing. It was a really good kind of people missed, uh, a lot of the guys missed how far back that water really went. And that's what kind of saved me. But, yeah, they were back there. I mean, a couple of fish, you know, one fish spit up a blackbird in my life. All, and then and then uh, one of the fish the last day had a, a blackbird in its stomach. You could tell it was a different shape, kind of real round. But that's totally common for fish that time of year, to eat birds, ducks, or, you know, if they're big enough. Um, and the birds were definitely out. The babies were, I saw quite a few nests with babies in them. So, I mean, it's a kind of a no-brainer, really. Those what fish were uh, kind of like sharks eat seals and bass were eating blackbirds at the time. But, uh you know, that just happens, you know, occasionally. You know, if you have swallowed nests or something, it, it happens quite often when you have nests like that. Different, You know, off-bridge pylons and stuff.
1: Well, but those what fish were eating word? mostly crawdads. What type like of lure did them. you bring out to to fish so that you could attract those fish that were feeding like that? Cause, uh, do you, did you well, have a I blackbird I lure?
12: No, I, I mean, I was just sort of caught imitation. They're, I mean, they're by far eating more caught than anything. But, uh, you know, those bigger ones I think were in there for those blackbirds. I you know, caught like four or five that were in a four-pound class in that one area. And, and that's where the most nests were. So that, those those bigger ones are probably trying to capitalize on getting some of those birds, but um, they're eating crawdads, too. I mean, it's, I'm not going to throw a black, I mean, black bait in there, when most of the stuff they're seeing is like crawdads. So I threw a, a green pumpkin, you know, with a punch skirt, and just imitated what their favorite food was. A blackbird is just, you know, a treat for them. But there's a lot of crawdads in there, too.
1: For that I did was a or...
12: blackbird pattern. It was just something that kind of helped me. Those, those fish, bigger fish, they were... No, I didn't give any, of any small ones. there. They're mostly big enough to eat the birds, I guess. So, <laughs> was yeah, that blackbird uh, pattern? Makes sense.
1: Was that blackbird pattern, was, was that what really tilted the scale in your favor, or were you just uh, clicking on all I mean, your I, cylinders?
12: Yeah, I mean, I knew they were there. Uh, well, I knew the birds, the, the birds were definitely in there real thick, but that area, that, that spot kind of got saved the first three days. I kind of saved stuff as much as I could. Uh, Edwin Evers was on my best. Stuff and he pretty much uh, cremated it, I guess you could say. There was nothing left. Uh, luckily, he didn't find the other area. I mean, I shared it with Edwin, but he got there five hours before I did the first day, and that's why I had 20 pounds. Otherwise, I would have had some of those fish. But we really kind of wore that area out, and that was kind of like my last reserve. Kind of like at the Chesapeake where I had that one marina I saved. Um, a lot of times, that's what it takes to win a tournament. And I find winning stuff all the time, but the only problem is with the other guys, by the second and third day, you have three or four boats in there. and can't win it doing that so you have to get really i wouldn't say lucky i can catch them anywhere but it's finding the area that nobody else finds is sometimes the key And it doesn't happen often at all it's very hard to do especially out in these big lakes like this is like you know you can only learn so much in two and a half days now really i mean i'm not going to say i've never gotten information but i've only gotten information it's usually from a friend of mine that i know and that's only been i can count on two hands for sure my whole career that I've talked to me about a lake so i don't Get info so you know it's just not enough time to find those when in you know enough areas and once in a while i get lucky and you know somebody doesn't find anything that's kind of why i don't get information is I can't kind of look for something that nobody else knows about and I, once in a while i find it
9: wow. and
12: i kind of get better as, as time goes on as i get we mm-hmm. obtain more knowledge of these lakes and now i know a lot more about the fishing back here and, and I, if I even know some of the lakes now so when i do go to those new lakes we've already been to i can go explore them more and find out more about them and and compile all that information, and all of a sudden, I know the lake well, and it's like I can do really good there now. So what it's a learning ca- curve, and and I work really, really hard. I don't, I don't know if, there's nobody that works harder than me in the sport, but you know, cause I put so many hours in, and I, I run, and I run. And everything I do is for the sport. And I, I mean, I only average four four and a half hours a night usually on tournament days all week. Okay. Wow! I don't know if anybody else does that. I can always close. I, I mean, I can't buy Ecknell, and he, he spends a lot of time on tackles. He'll go to bed at 11. I'll see his lights go out, but I'm out there till midnight. It's all three. I'm wow. just you
1: know, Aaron, trying to get everything perfect. You, you talk about collecting all this information. I mean, do you just memorize it for each lake, or do you have journals? or So far, or, so, how far do you...
12: so good. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember names really well. People, uh, lots. I know so many people, but as far as fishing spots go, I, I retain almost everything.
1: Wow. Weird. Well, you know, after Havasu, you went to Kentucky Lake, and, and Kentucky Lake was a big event because the winner of Kentucky Lake got an automatic berth to the Bassmaster Classic, and that's that's the only elite event where you could do that. End. What were your expectations going into Kentucky Lake?
12: Oh, Evan ruined some of these expectations.
10: <laughs>
12: Everyone's going anyways. here. Um, oh, I mean, I like that. Like, Sun Lake, I just can't, Anyway, I don't know if they talk about all the practice days they have, like the Chesapeake being two feet high, the first two days of practice, like flood stage, and Kentucky was, uh, our weather the first day and a half was terrible. Uh, Really hard to find them. They weren't showing themselves, and, you know, that lake is all about finding them in spots. If they're not on the spots, they're really hard to find because they're in between spots and almost impossible unless you know the lake really well or know somebody. That lake is a tough one, and our whole practice was like that. And last day, it got normalized, and I found... Actually, that I couldn't find schools the first two days. Is The way the weather was, it was impossible to find them. And I did catch some on top, kind of monitoring, you know, lingering around. There was just like they were broken up and kind of suspended in a lot of areas. But they kind of acted normal the last day of practice. And I found four or five schools. I felt... It's kind of nerve-wracking. I don't think about it area. I know at that point I had a really good chance to get it, but I tried to... Really focus on each tournament, and that one I ended up finding the last day. I found some good schools I could work, and uh, I, I you know, almost missed, almost made the cut. But that's a hard lake. If you don't get on them really good, it's hard to get in the top twelve there. It's just, there's so many big fish everywhere, and so many really good schools that you don't find. That it's really hard to make it there if you don't get fortunate or lucky. I guess if you, you know, I graph as fast as I can. I graph on pad a lot. I do everything I can to find them, but it's a huge lake and it's it's immense. You know, it's real. You know, one mile, two mile wide flats and ten mile long by ten miles long. It's 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 a hard one.
1: Well, I know you. Have so to I was be,
12: happy with that finish, actually.
1: I know you have Not to be bad. disappointed when you don't make the uh, the cut. So right after Kentucky Lake, the next event was on the the St. Lawrence River, and and how was that body yeah, of water? Game. How was that for your style?
12: It's awesome. It's just another one like Kentucky. It's it's massive. Um, I mean, you can go like I forget how many minutes in one direction, like forty minutes or thirty minutes in one direction, and and uh, hour and a half in another direction. It's just kind of a big, long and big. I mean, wide, five, ten, mi- you know, over five miles wide in most areas, ten miles wide. So it's just a lot of islands. It's 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 another place that takes a long time to learn. And I just don't. The fishing was funny there this year. Everybody even said it was. Didn't, we didn't catch as many fish. The schools were more scattered. And areas that were good for me last time that had almost nothing there. Um, but there were certain areas in those spots that I had them. And it was, it was kind of weird. It was kind of amb- almost in like a transition when we were there. And uh, I, had, I, mean, I had a decent term. I mean, and John Murray uh, fished the same water about 65 miles on a ramp, and that was a long ways considering it got pretty rough. And we were fishing the same fish, all three of us. And that's, we never talked to each other. It just happened to be that way, three western guys kind of beating each other up and uh you know skeet got the best part of that on the hitter kind of took a point on an island and i took a point on a main point off a of big island and his fish i think had a few more big ones there and i had and i couldn't how smallmouth are you really gotta kind of pick your schools and catch the big ones out of them out of them before you know other guys catching them. skeet did a good job at that and i just just came a little bit short got unfortunate enough, a couple big ones that you know so i snagged and you got to throw them back there, which is really crazy. Catch them on a jerkbait on a long cast, and you bring them in like four pounders, and they you know on the side of the face. and You got to toss them back. So I, I had to throw back three good ones, but it happened to a lot of guys. It wasn't just me. And uh I mean, I was kind of happy with that. I mean, I, obviously, I like to make top twelve fish in some tournaments, but that's a it's it's hard to make top 12s in bass. It's not it's not not easy. No, <laughs> not at a lot all. of great guys. There's a bunch out of really there. good anglers. Yeah. There's a bunch of them that fish bass, yeah. A lot of really good sticks, and they're uh, they're out for it, too. So you can't win them all. But, you know, m- making the cut alone is just kind of like winning sort of a tournament. Well, this- that's basically how good you have to catch them to win a normal tournament. It's, uh, you have to do it four days in a row. and That usually just gets you in the cut.
1: Well, there seem to be several big prizes that you're after, because not only are you after to make the cut, because that's where you make your expenses, but also – you're you're trying to gain points so that you can qualify for the Bassmaster Classic. You want to do that, and then you got the yes. third incentive, and that's the one that right now you're in the lead. That's Angler of the Year, and
12: that that's, mo- that's the most um, that's the most important one. <laughs> really, I don't think about it though. I don't. Yeah, that is the biggest thing in the sport. I think it's the pinnacle.
2: I know well, that's really the hardest that. thing. Just, that's the I hardest thing to win. I don't care how, what uh, tournament you're in or what circuit you're in, Angler of the Year being that's only,
12: number one yeah, is, is that's tougher only than gauge, winning. That's the only gauge out there, the ability of a fisherman is AOI. That's, to me, that's the best gauge of who's doing the best and who's on the top of their game. and That's what you always want. But I really don't think about it. Um, even today and tonight I'm working, I'm not really thinking about that. I'm thinking about St. Clair and how much I like it. and am so I might take the gamble, though, and I'm just kind of thinking about it a little bit. If I could gamble and try to win it. But I think I'm gonna have to go to Erie to do it and that's an eighty you know, a sixty to eighty mile run, no matter how you look at it, to get to fish and it's always windy up here this time of year, so it's a big gamble. Even though my boat's perfect and bolts are tight, everything everything's good to go. I got everything, you know, that I can do that reinforce the boat. Plus it's a nine twenty one Phoenix, which is the best riding boat on tour. I could do it as much as anybody and I'm physically fit to do it. So it's, it's actually a very physically demanding to go hundred and sixty miles like I did that one time each way, every day it's very demanding on it, especially three hours a night in that tournament. Um, Aaron,
1: can you let us take a break right now? we got to take a break now. But can we ask you to hold <laughs> on for another three minutes and we can get back to you? Cause yeah. I want to talk about the Chesapeake Bay, and then I want to talk about the event coming on up because, you know, really some dynamic things happening. So I hope you can stay uh, on with us. I will.
12: I will I'll, I'll press the grinder button here in a second.
1: That's <laughs> all right. Yeah, press again. that <laughs> grinder while we're on the commercial, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty loud. This is Run minute. Real Radio right. with Stan Vandenberg, Wendy Toshihara, and our special guest, Aaron Martin. You're listening to us on AM540 or at runrealradio.com. Stay tuned. More to come.
7: h H&M and is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the Anglin community since 1935, h H&M and name, recognition, and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The HM fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing, any time of the year, h H&M and should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. HM is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter-day, full, and multi-day trips and a complete schedule of long-range
8: Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com.
11: movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin 6 ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to HM Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook Facebook and at our webpage at ChiefSportFishing.com. Hi, my name is Dennis Green,
2: and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were.
1: We do want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Hey, i got a special offer for you. Melanie and Jose at Cedra Outdoor Adventures, they have had an epic year. At Cedrus Outdoors, and they want you to come on and enjoy the hospitality of the Baja Magic Lodge. So what they've done is they put together a bunch of special programs for you to come and visit them. There's a um, upfront special for if you pay your, your fees for 2016 all at one time. Now you can get private flights out of Brownfield, and you can save up to $600 per trip. There's early bird bookings and special off-season bookings if you still want to come and visit them in 2015. But there's a limited amount of these uh, specials left. So if you want to get with the program and see what they've got available there, give Melanie Ose a call at Cedros Outdoor Adventures, 619-793-5400. Nineteen. That's Cedrus Outdoor Adventures at 619-793-5419 and see what is special cooking for you. Hey, we're back with Aaron Martins. And, Aaron, uh, are you still there with us?
12: Oh, yeah. I was getting ready to put the blender on, but I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I had my finger, I had my finger on, and you started talking. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it goes about 30 seconds. I can't start it. Oh yeah, hey, uh, once I start once I started I want to get it over with because here is not gonna like it at all. I'm I'm serious, he's like eight feet from my from where I'm at. He can definitely wake him up.
2: So what are you blending?
12: <laughs> uh well your show's not long enough to talk about what I'm blending. <laughs> a lot of stuff.
1: Hey yeah. Uh, to to we're we're getting we're you, now you came up your next stop uh, was at the Chesapeake Bay and uh that's really where you made your move to Angler of the Year and uh, uh, taking over the lead in points. Uh, tell us a little bit about that body of water, because It's got to be huge.
12: Yeah, I think I've been leading it for a couple. I, I don't know. I wasn't. I already had a pretty good lead. It just kind of it gave me a, even a bigger lead. <laughs> uh, yeah, you talking about Chesapeake's another big one. Yeah, um, I, I was so kind of worried about that one because I, like I said, don't talk to anybody, and, and a lot of guys know a lot of stuff out here. Seems like they know a lot of stuff when we get there. So I had to—I knew I had to kind of step up there. I was going to be one of those fisheries that, man, if I don't know it, I'm going to kind of get my honey kicked, and I don't want that to happen. So I went up there after Mike Ikenali went to Delaware last year and spent two days here. And uh, Chapman was out here, too, Brent, and it was kind of tough. I mean, I didn't realize it would be that tough. Uh, I mean, I thought to Brent Chapman the first day at the end of the day, and he had, don't think he got a bite the first day. So and I, didn't, I think I only, I only caught like two. So it was like, it was a bad time of year after Delaware. And I, I don't know, I just kind of figured I needed a little more time out. So I came up after Kentucky Lake. And that's a lot. We do a lot of driving. I don't know if people realize. We'll go, I've driven a lot last month and a half. I mean, probably five, six, 7,000, 6,000 miles I've driven. And just going back and forth pre-fishing. And I came down here. I drove all the pretty much, kind of, kind of out of the way. You know, I was probably, I probably wanted, 1,200 miles on the way to, to fish here two days. That's that's a little, pretty pretty dedicated, I guess. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's for ALI, and it is for ALI, but I don't think about it. I also want to try to win the tournament. And uh, those two half days kind of opened my eyes. I, I kind of felt the way the fishing was. It was kind of like Cabotus in a way, it, sort of, where you had to cover a lot of water. And you know, some, some areas you'd catch two or three in an area or five, like I did in that marina. or some areas. Most of the time I caught fish random in that tournament i mean that's just i'd run two miles and maybe catch one here and fish for like an hour and then go somewhere else maybe catch two in an hour at the right tide but It was a kind of a grind but uh that little practice after kentucky really helped me i had like 22 23 pounds the last day i was here i only spent two half days i had the family with me too and i took them out on the boat one of the days for the last day I, was here, I caught like 22 and a half 23 pounds you know, I caught 25 keepers that day, but it was in the north end, kind of where everybody else was fishing, but I smashed them that day. And that really kind of made me feel good about it. I felt like I had them dialed in, because it still wasn't that good that time here, but I really kind of found out how the fish sit and, and what, what they're like, kind of get a feel for them. Because it seemed like everywhere you go, the fish are a little bit different. They act a little different. And uh, so when I came back, I felt confident, but, you know, I knew it was going to be tough. It wasn't going to be easy uh especially after a bait starts hammering on it beating them up um it gets much harder but uh i you know that first day and a half i didn't get a bite um i never had a bass bite the first day and a half but the flood conditions i didn't go to. i knew they were at though. i went to all kind of new stuff i kind of like torturing myself like that uh because i found some decent decent stuff before when i came here and i I just kind of wanted to find something new. I knew a lot of the stuff I found was going to get crowded because it was kind of obvious. Um, and, you know, some guys did really good doing that. But to tell you the truth, the uh, area I went to in the tournament, I never went to it. Just four, day, four and a half days I fished here. I went to the creek before it, um, and I caught a lot of fish in there. It was really healthy. And it just was, seemed like a fun place to fish. I liked the feel of it. But where I ended up winning the tournament, I didn't really... It was one of those places I didn't have time to fish it when I came here before, so I went there the second day and I looked at it with Google Earth and like I could do that a lot, I look at Google Earth and really examine the you know, close up of the coves and kinda of how where the water dirty water starts. I mean I look at everything and uh which way its angles and all that. I just like that creek but I never got to fish it until that second day and I ended up catching you know, catching three or four and they were all big. I ended up getting like six or seven bites in there in like the last Five or six hours of the day, and they weren't. I got two on one dock, and most of them are just here and there. But they were real solid, you know, the kind of fish you want. And the conditions are still flooded, and you know, the water. You could tell the water started coming down pretty quick that second day, and uh yeah, that's kind of kind of last day I went north, and I had probably fifteen or twenty keeper bites up by the ramp, kind of where we launched from. It was really easy up there, and really kind of you catch a lot, but it was hard to get four pound fish. I could catch a lot of solid two to three-pounders, but those, those uh, 17, 18, 19-pound bags, they were kind of hard to get. You had to get kind of lucky or fortunate to get a big one. But the area I found, it wasn't like that. I'd get five or six fish in the boat. i will probably have 17 or 18 pounds. That's what I figured. And uh, I ended up, that's just how it happened. And, oh. and there wasn't a lot of guys. There wasn't a lot of guys down there. There's Randy Howell the first day, Carl from Australia, and maybe one other boat the first day. And then the second day... It was really, Randy left kind of early, I think. I didn't see him much. And it was just me and Carl really hammered out in there, in, the, in that in that whole creek. And and uh, luckily, nobody else found that where I ended up winning the tournament. And I kind of saved that till the last day because of that. I kind of went to it the second and third. Second, I don't know if I went to it the second day. The third day, I definitely went to it. And the fourth day, I went to it. But I, I went by it every day, and I kind of went in front of it. And I didn't see any boats fishing it, so I just stayed off of it. And, uh... And then I just kind of was looking at my chops, I guess, for the last two days. I, I couldn't believe I was leading it, tell you the truth. And then I had that marina left, which is my best spot, and nobody's fishing it. So, I, at that point, I kind of knew I had to term it. was a good, really good chance here. I was going to win it. And uh, you don't get that, you don't get that, you know, chance very often uh, to actually win one of these. So, it was kind of a really good, exciting tournament for me. It was uh, one of my probably. Uh, best ever, like as far as the, just a super tough tournament, and just how everything went down with the last day, catching big fish and smashing them. It was just like kind of like one of those dream tournaments that you, you know, only experience a handful of times if you're lucky your whole life.
9: And it was uh, definitely you
12: know, one Aaron,
1: of Aaron, your nickname is Spin Doctor, and one of our listeners, Kelly, that's one of them. He was uh, <laughs> he was <laughs> watching so the, the Bassmaster broadcast. One I, haven't heard. I haven't
12: heard that one in a couple of years, brother. <laughs>
1: He was watching the Bassmaster broadcast and noticed that you were fishing with a spinnerbait. You were first using a, a double-bladed and, a, and then a single-bladed, and then you went to a chatterbait. Can you tell us a little bit about that strategy, uh, how you knew when to, when to I, change and yeah, what it was all I mean, about? I
12: mean, yeah, I mean, I had to rush the tide. There's a lot to it. I mean, I, I, I was throwing a frog, uh, two spinnerbaits, a uh, crankbait. Uh, I threw the chatterbait every day, a jig, and a drop shot. Those were my baits. And, and uh, the chatterbait was was one of those baits. It's just a bait that works all the time. It's just, I mean, I'm sponsored by a shock blade. I just happened to have that one in the boat that was perfect for what I needed, and uh, it ended up working really well. But it's just, it's just the way the tides were and, and the way I was getting bit and missing them, it's just a, kind of a reaction for me to, to kind of change. I wanted to throw a crankbait, and I figured if I could throw a square bill where I was fishing, I'd catch them, but I'd snag too much because I'm bouncing off ropes and, and up underneath, like, I'm going 30, 40 feet under these docks and they're only, like, you know, two feet off the water. It's just not an easy bait to throw. You're going to break a bunch of them. You're going to snag. It's just too hard. Um, you need something can take a beating and bounce through stuff and, and even skip. And actually a chatterbait's really good for that uh, and a spinnerbait, which are actually, you know, a spinnerbait being one of my favorite baits, but I say that, but I guess they're all my favorite. Um <laughs> It's just you gotta be. You got. I just felt it was right. I had a I had a five pounder come off the third day. I came in early and fished the flats for fifteen minutes. In my third cast, I had a five pounder jump off on the flats up by the ramp, and I was like, I was on that same chatterbait, and I knew they ate it. And I caught. I mean, it's it's like I said, you don't get a lot of bites there, so it's hard to really figure out color combinations. I kind of you kind of just do things by what you see in the water. The water's kind of clear. There's bait. You know, you see all the bait fish when you're fishing. You see a lot of bluegill and. And you get bit by stuff and catch bigger bait fish, perch, and stuff. So you kind of get an idea of what they're eating in the water color. So I fish so much that it's easy to get a color right for a situation. I just, it seemed right. I lost, like, how many did I lose? Four down that stretch in one pass. And I was pushing the tide. I mean, people were I was getting questions. And if, I thought mean, I was getting uh, nervous. And Obviously, you know, a little nervous. I wanted to have two by that time. Uh, I knew I wouldn't catch them good in the morning until afternoon. But I was hoping to have a couple fish in the boat. The problem was the fish I had in the boat were a, a one-pounder and, like, a two-pounder. Uh, not the couple I had thought I would have. So uh, obviously I was a little nervous, but I had two and a half, hour, you know, two and a half hours left. Uh, and that's when I switched to a chatterbait, and the tide was just getting to where I, you know, I had the tide chart on my hummingbird. That's all I had was tide chart. Because so there's no reason for me to know how deep it is. I already know all that. and uh, I just really wanted to watch the tide chart uh, It was like watching the clock and watching the clock on top, the time ticked by. And I, I could see the predicted time, what time it was going to be at the tide. And I saw a perfect tide, and I saw, I saw it was okay. So I'll have an hour of good tide. I can get it done in an hour. And that, that's something that I ended up actually catching them early. And I was afraid to push the area. If anybody tide fishes a lot, and I know tide waters real well, um, you don't want to push an area that's really good too soon because you'll miss a lot of fish or you'll you'll catch them a little early, like in between really biting and not biting. And you don't want to go through an area that's got them too early because you can mess fish up. I I, I messed plenty of fish up in there, but I've been saving that spot. I knew there there's probably a lot of them in there. I could go back through some of that stuff. I already fished and probably catch them too. But that area, I knew that stretch I hadn't fished yet in four days. I knew that was the best stretch. I just could tell by looking at it. And I never fished it before. I just knew, you know, I knew where it was at in the marina. I knew that was, these are that good and it gets better as they go that way. That one's going to be the best. <laughs> So I kind of went early on it and, and I missed a bunch. And I know when they miss them like that that they're that they're not quite ready yet. They're not getting enough time to react to it. And there's a lot of variables there. And the chatterbait's something that gives them warning that something's coming. And it's more of an aggressive, like a reaction. It gets more more vibes in the water. And they seem to react to it a little better sometimes and they're biting, short biting another bait. Just like a crankbait does sometimes. Just certain baits will do that. And, uh, and Aaron, yeah, which chatterbait water. do you like to use? Shockblade, but that one was uh, that Picasso Shockblade's really good. Uh, it's actually it's got a lot it's got a lot better hook in it than any of, any of the ones I use out there. And but that one in particular, I kind of needed the blade. I, I needed the blade and everything. The combination that one. I'm, I'm helping Shockblade make you know some custom ones, uh, kind of that I want, and they're going to sell them. But I'm real particular about certain things and. Uh, it just seemed to be a little bit better for me. And if it just got me a bite or two more at that time, that's... Do you think it stays do down
2: better or, or just has a better vibration?
12: It's just a little tighter. It's a little different. I mean, it's just... It's, just, it's, t- it's, it's tighter, and, and that's what we're going to work on is getting... You now, I want that certain action, and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's good. Uh, that wider action is definitely good in certain situations. Maybe be a little dirtier water earlier in the year, colder water. Uh, whatever situation, you know, shallower water. You're in, in you know, it's different. This is like kind of clearish, you know, warm water. It wasn't hot. It wasn't. It wasn't cold. It was pretty much perfect water for the fish.
1: Well, that's
12: wish- a shockley, you say. I use a shockley most of the time, but that one was a chatterbait that I caught this fish on. Right. Oh, okay.
1: okay, Aaron, let's take a little break right now, and you can get the blender going now, and and we don't want to disturb Talking Heroes' beauty that, okay? sleep.
12: Hey, hey, hold on. Don't
1: go anywhere real quick. I'm going to turn it on
12: and see if the pocket yells a lot. Yeah, let's. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's just a little bit, but. Let's, let's it, it goes real slow for us, and then it all of a sudden goes up okay. like 10 times. And it's real you, yeah, I'll do it in a second.
1: You, you keep up, Blender, going. Let us take a break, and we want to come back because okay. I want to talk about where you're fishing now. Okay, Aaron? All right. All right. Hey, this is Rod Reel Radio on AM540 or rodreelradio.com. Stan, Wendy, and Aaron Martins will be back right after these messages.
5: 7262, or just spell Bass Boat. 1 800 Bass Boat. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1 800 Bass Boat, the choice of the pros for Bass Boat Insurance. For more information, log on to 1 800BassBoat.com. My
6: angler h 2 Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other
9: watching for rogue waves.
6: I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate Talk Like a Pirate Day. I... I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket.
3: What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California.
6: It's tuna time. And it's time to reserve your spot on one of the newest boats in the fleet, the 70-foot Sea Adventure 2 at M H&M Landing in San Diego, It has a really comfortable galley that seats up to 24 passengers with all the comforts of home, including two big satellite flat screen TVs and satellite phone. The huge new bait tank and slammer ensure plenty of bait for everyone. And two four-ton refrigerated fish holds, both RSW and blast-free, have plenty of room to keep your catch as fresh as the minute you caught it. Reserve your spot on the Sea Adventure 2 online. At HMLanding.com or call H&M Landing at 619 222 1144
1: Hey Southern California, welcome back to Ron Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg's here tonight. So is Wendy Tarshahar, and we got a special guest. We caught up with him all the way up in Michigan. He is getting ready to fish the BASS event on Lake St. Clair. But you know, you know, Aaron from your past experience. You've got more than Lake St. Clair to fish. You also have uh, Lake Huron and, uh, uh, you know, going through the locks and everything else like that. Are, you know, with the, the Fisherman of the Year title, you know, up for grabs, are you going to kind of play it uh, safe and stay on Lake Huron, or are you going to be locking it and going after the big fish? Well, me play it
12: safe? No, <laughs> Come on. No, there's no lock here. I mean, not 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 here. It's all just uh, really rough, big rivers and uh, strong current. You know, six, seven mile an hour current in some areas. It's and they're just big, massive rivers. But there's no locks on these. Um, there's just uh, a lot of sixty ton vessels that travel on them and throw a huge wakes. So it's it's there's a lot of things that can kind of go wrong. Uh, right just the rivers alone, but then also going into the Huron or Lake Erie, where some of the biggest up live in the Great Lakes. Uh, you know, it's, well. like it's, right today, it blew 20 miles an hour. It's probably 25 on the water. Tomorrow it's supposed to blow 30 on the water and 25 here in town. Um, so you can't imagine, you know, these lakes when it's like that. It's just, you know, it's like a lake meat, lake meat on steroids kind of. Um, it's very risky. I mean, I don't mind taking it. I've done it. I usually do it every time I go out to Lake Erie or even on I've done, you know, it doesn't, it's normally, but it's a, it's a risk and i can do good i can do pretty good here too i don't know if i can win it so i might actually be playing it safe one of the first times in my career but i there's still a chance i can win but i feel like if i want the area and really push my boat and push myself to the max i have a better chance to win but i think i might actually kind of play it in the middle <laughs> you know a lot of stuff going on there's I mean, we have the algae blooms going on, and it's going to make the fishing a little harder. You know, you only have five, four or five hours to fish once you get there. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's risky, but the more of that, you can have a failure, like <clears> that. So when you're fishing yeah.
2: this uh, style of tournament, miles. Aaron, where you've got current and uh, and everything's moving, what do you do? You go back to re- all, only reaction baits, or do you try to hold on areas and and fish it with something that you can scrape the bottom with? How do you target your fish on this?
12: Uh, it depends where you're at. You know, some, some areas of the Great Lakes catch a lot of them on crankbaits and, uh, and even topwaters and spinnerbaits. And in some areas, you know, you catch almost all of them on tubes and, and drop shot. Uh, it just depends where you're at or the weather conditions. Um, I mean, these are fun places to fish. These are, these are, you know, I, I could stay, you know, close and catch a lot of fish and catch a decent bag and maybe even make the top 12 or even possibly win it if I caught every big fish local, or I could go have some work really hard for eight or ten fish, but have maybe 22 to 25 pounds of smallmouth. So, I mean, it's, you know, it seems like every time I go over the area in practice, I catch like 25 to 28 pounds, and, you know, I catch a lot of fish pounders and five-pounders, and and I try to shake them off, but a lot of times you're just catching one here and there, and I guess you're just catching the big ones, and that seems like last time I was here, I did that. I caught like 26 pounds for five, and I shook off probably 15 or 20 that day, all day. I love doing that, and I, and I have all... I, have, I know Erie really well. I know, it like, Castake, um but there's a Detroit channel, which is about 35 miles, and then there's about, I think, 20, almost 20 miles of St. Clair, and then you have, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30 miles of Lake Erie, and then, and then yeah, that's just... You can you imagine running five-footers for 30, 30, 40 miles mm. there, and then running five-footers 30, 40 miles back, and then getting into the Detroit River, and going anywhere from 50 to 20 miles an hour because of the boat wakes It's its its unbelievable. And then you get to St. Clair, and there'll be three or four footers, and you got to run 20 miles in that it's, it's a risk. And I can physically do it. I have tricks to doing it, but I, <laughs> it's I, any I, any boat, any motor, no matter what you own, and that kind of beating and that kind of distance, anything can happen.
1: Anything. I, I know you must know the risk because in 2013 when the – Chris Lane won that event. He won it with 82 pounds. And you had a uh, uh, a 20-pound a bag. and uh, uh,
12: 20, 21, 21,
1: 21 plus. 21 yeah, plus. In my, in my boat. And yeah. you got caught in some rough I, weather, and uh, that uh, caused you, a, a, you know. A, that a boat week. Maybe it was a championship.
12: A boat, uh, boat. Yeah, it was a boat wake It actually did it. I uh, just uh, got caught between two ships. Uh, in the middle, which is not where you want to be between you know two hundred foot boats, but a yeah, little twenty well, one foot bass boat, but I got caught in between them. So those a really it was one of the worst hits I've ever received, and yeah, I shredded the bolts off. Now uh, I got double bolts now, and they're super tight, and and I kind of Don't know what I would have done in that situation. Cause I got come, I got myself into. I don't know if I if I would come off paddock. I would have had water up to the top of the gunnels. But it was a tricky situation. It's like what do you do? I wasn't going fast. I was only going like 25 miles an hour. I hit that weight 20 or 25. I was almost off the pad. It was such a big weight that I hit the boat that hard. It was a, a really hard hit. It was a crazy, I never hit a wave like that, but it got me. It cost me a tournament. Um, that's the kind of risk I'm talking about. It, was, it could cost me a tournament and it could cost me an AOI. And that's that's risky. That's a big risk to take.
1: So you got to kind of judge uh, it, what, what you do after the first day or what the pre-fish exactly. is? Exactly. Yeah, I don't think I don't
12: think too far ahead because because fishing's not like that. Uh, if you're thinking too far ahead, you're messing you you're messing up. Um, day by day, night by night, morning by morning. Now I don't decide anything, so I'm actually heading out to hit the seventy mile an hour mark. I don't really think about it too much. Sometimes I make you know just weird changes, right? I, I might be going a mile and often kind of turn the boat sixty degrees and go somewhere else just because I got a hunch. That's just how you gotta play it. It's just Fishing kind of like that. Playing ahead is not working this way. <laughs> there's too many variables. Well, it, it never just, has. It, Maybe I, I think I'm dependent on that in the past. Maybe I thought of play, game plans too much, and that's what kind of screwed me up a lot. No, nah, I don't do that anymore. Well, no game okay. plans.
1: Pre, so, pre-fishing this, uh, like, uh, what kind of baits are you going to have to rig up, and are you going to be looking for patterns all around the lake? Are, you, you, are, you,
12: are you fishing this tournament, or
1: what? I need some help, Aaron.
12: <laughs> <laughs> A lot of drop shot, I know that. Uh, yeah, man, I'll have probably, you know, all swim baits, out and spinner baits, and crank baits, and two top waters, and three drop shot rods and two tube rods. That's almost about all I'll throw. You know, jerk bait, couple jerk bait rods. Yeah. We'll do a lot of stuff.
1: Well, I know one same of your sponsors is Robo Worms. Are you fishing yeah. the same colors that you'd fish out here I in fish the, the West? I the same stuff,
12: yeah. Yeah, I have some black ones that, that he made me, but he won't, he won't sell those. Probably because people will buy black ones, and they'll work almost as good as everything else. So they'll just buy black ones. But I throw a lot of black ones. Um on the smallmouth uh, but yeah, i have lots of color i mean i still throw Aaron's magic by far the most and it's not because it's my worm it's just because it works the best most of the time uh but robo me and robo are working right now greg we've been talking to each other about twice a week lately and we're gonna we're gonna make a new line of worms uh they should be really cool when they come out um i noticed that when i started designing a worm there's a few worms that close to it that are really popular and i don't pay attention to other baits but uh it kind of bums me out. There's actually one worm It's almost exactly what I was thinking, but we're going to have to change it and make it better. But uh, we're going to probably come out with, like, two or three styles in the next few months, I think. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe by late, you know, winter time we'll have some new worms. I think they will be kind of, like, more of what I'm looking for a lot of times. I, there's still, uh, you know, rib worms work all the time. Like, I love the live shads and the sculpins, but there's there's a gap they have, which is a fat worm. And the fat worm is not fat enough, so that's, that was my idea that they made the fat worm when they did, but... That was back then. Now I want something, I guess, obese. Obese. I like got big fat. You know, something different. So, so we're working on like, that
1: right now. And I, I know you would like finesse fishing, and Gamakatsu and, and you, they come up with some finesse nets. How those work?
12: <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like drops. I, I mean, I, I mean, finesse fishing in general, it's fun. I, I like catching them on, like how I caught my chest peak. Or have a, that's really my favorite way. I had finesse fishing in half a this. Uh, but, I don't know. What was it, Stan? What was it? I'm, I'm looking at countless and stuff. all the food around me right
1: now. I'm getting sidetracked. Right. Hey,
12: well, listen. What were you that... asking, Stan? Say what? What were you asking? You asked me about uh, what? The, the
1: Gabagatsu finesse uh, hooks oh, that the you helped develop.
12: Yeah, yeah they have uh, the drop shot hook, which is phenomenal. It's really good. It's sticky. It's sent out a little bit, so you don't Get so much glancing and, and, and hooking of little parts of the mouth to get more in the meat. So it's actually working really well. Uh, I mean, I caught 400 on last, at uh, Green Bay two weeks ago. Went there with the family and we caught like 400 or 300 one day or 250 in, in five hours. Me and the two kids and my and mommy. This absolutely way laid <laughs> them. Wow. I mean, yes. it was like three to four pounders, almost all of them. But we caught, I don't remember missing hardly any on, any on the hooks. Awesome. Well, that um, hook just sticks in the fish. That's the best little hook for. It's, it's a dangerous hook. You got to actually. There should be a warning, like a big red warning on that, it. Because <laughs> if it touches your anywhere, it's going to the bone. And my my code name on the boxes is T Bone because it's easy to remember because it's, it's to the bone. That's why I always remember because if it hooks you, it's going. Oh, wow. It's Aaron, going through. Aaron, and the trouble
1: I, hooks to the same. Trouble I know you same. got a lot of stuff to do, but before we let you go, the sponsors that help get you to where you are right now.
12: Whoa, man! I'm totally sidetracked. Well, you know, I'm with Phoenix Cell, and and, uh, Enigma is the newest one. Enigma is my rods, which are working really well for me. I'm really liking them, and we're coming out with another series next year, which will be a more advanced series, a little more expensive. Uh, It should be awesome. But the ones now are they're they're great. Uh, They're a little bit different blanks than I'm using. I was with Megabass for 17 years, but their rods are very durable and they're still light. But they're they're, like, uh, you can you can beat them up pretty good. They're, they're as, as tough as they are. I haven't broken yet since I've been fishing, but they're they're working really well. The boat's 921 Phoenix, which I'm happy. I can't be happier. The boat's awesome. Uh, love the boat, the uh, ride, fishability, everything about it. Of course, I'm still with Mercury, and I'm excited about the new motor guide coming out. It's awesome. I got a chance to kind of play with it for a little bit. It's going to be uh, uh, years and years ahead of the competition. It's awesome. Uh what else? Uh, Sims, Outerwear, and, and I can't forget Robo, and, and we got Nationwide's on my side now, which is really cool. Nationwide's on your side? I do locked up with them. With, with, uh, with NASCAR, I get to meet a lot of NASCAR drivers, Baylor and Hart, last month, which is really cool. I get to kind of see a picture of them, and not really get to talk to them too much. I just said a couple where he's really busy, but he's cool. Um, Dan Kipatra, I got to meet her uh, for the second time, actually. I met So I get to—I get really cool things. That, some of my sponsors actually—it's work, but it's actually kind of like enjoyable work. So it's—it's it's not all work. Um, to, of course. Uh, the, the lithium Pro batteries. Who am I forgetting? I know I'm forgetting the big one.
1: Wow.
12: Uh, Elf powered by Elf. Uh, I get too many sponsors. That's why I don't want so many because I can't remember them all.
1: Well, you uh,
12: know, and, hey, can and you don't you forget d- the solar. The sunglasses are awesome. That's the part I was trying to remember. They're 130 bucks, but they're they're they're, neat. they're as nice as the 200 and 230 pair of glasses. They're they're awesome. I've been solar bats. Uh, my signature series glasses are. I'm loving those. Um, lots of different colors in those too. And lenses. Uh, what else? And of yeah.
3: course, lefty kids. Well,
12: that, Dodge. Yep. I got yeah. Well, that's my biggest sponsor. I'm to it. And best is for that uh ram uh airport dodge ram uh they've helped me a lot with a really awesome uh 350 uh black ram uh, pickup which is an awesome truck uh coolest truck ever uh and uh of course the biggest sponsor i know i'm missing one or two uh, but of course yeah leslie takes care of she does a lot of the work for me uh, i'm glad i don't have to do i can focus on fishing and and kicking butt it's just me and her and, and the kids don't help too much yet but i love my kids
1: that's but great, It's it
12: okay, a, it can you, a two, it, it, its a 5 person job that two people do. It's, it's 24/7, about 300 days a year. Wow! I don't hey, think can, a lot of people realize. Can you, realize you make us a heart promise
1: heartache. that if uh, if you uh, uh, win this tournament and you see a message for Broadview <laughs> Radio that we can uh, get you on next week and and find out yeah. exactly what you did and uh, congratulate you?
12: Yeah, I got, yeah, I'll, be, I'll do it again. I have a i have a tournament next week, too, after this one. I don't know if I'm allowed to say who it is. It's Major League Fishing, but uh, some secret location. Uh, and then we have the Angler Tournament, and then I think I'm – I think I got a little break.
1: <laughs> all right. Hey, Aaron, thanks for did. being with us, and good luck in all of Southern California is rooting you on to not only taking this tournament, but also taking Angler of the Year honors. Congratulations.
12: Thank you. Thank you. you can't take California out of me. I never will. Yeah, buddy. <laughs>
1: all right. Love hey, Cali. good night, Aaron. Thanks for being with us, and thanks for spending You're the welcome.
12: time. Thank, thank you. Go for get him, Aaron. I didn't talk too much. Hey. Thank you. Hey. All right. All right. Hey, Stan and Wendy,
1: we are way, way, way over time. Thanks a lot for your contributions tonight. I'd appreciate it. Have all right. a great
3: week.
1: Yeah. Hey, and, and I want to thank JR and, and Ben, our uh, uh, San Diego uh, producer, always in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Trudy. Our, our heart is with you tonight, also on this anniversary. And thank you, the fishermen, for uh, staying with us. Go out there and get them. They're getting away. Someone's going out there and getting your fish. You might as well sign up and go out, and it might as well be you. So, on behalf of all of us, say stay, stay safe. We'll be looking forward to speaking to you next Sunday night starting at 5.05 on Rod Real Radio. So for Stan and Wendy, I'm Hop Along. We're out for now. Good night.